Welcome to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. This gardening show will equip and inspire avid gardeners with weekly tips and tricks to help them navigate the gardening world. The show will also highlight specific growing requirements for several plants so the sun will shine brighter over their Kentucky garden. And now, here is that ray of sunshine, garden enthusiast and horticulture extension agent, Kristen Hildebrand, with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Did you know that July is American Grown Cut Flower Month? Yes, so now is the perfect time to celebrate the abundance of locally grown cut flowers and the farmers that grow them. To discuss more about cut flower production, I interviewed my good friend and co-worker, Alexis Sheffield, to ask her why July is such a special month for cut flower growers. Alexis is the Bull County Extension Agent for Horticulture in Danville, Kentucky, and in her spare time, she runs her very own flower farm called Wild Roots. Find out more from our interview together on how you can celebrate American Grown Cut Flower Month and how you can also support local cut flower farms right here on the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Today, I am so excited to be visiting with Alexis Sheffield, and she's a co-worker friend of mine, and she is also the Bull County Extension Agent for Horticulture. Hey, Alexis. Hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today because we are talking things that are related to cut flowers. Oh, no, I'm a cut flower person. So. Oh, oh, I'm right there with you, girl. Right there with you. I think flowers do bring a lot of joy. And especially right now during this time that we're in, it's really important to have those colorful blooms coming from whether it be your garden or coming from these cut flower farms that we have. So, absolutely. I think they've helped with quarantine a lot for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, just to kind of start up the show, I feel like you have a unique story. You're an educator and also a cut flower grower yourself. So why don't you just tell some of the listeners today on the podcast a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. Yeah. So I went to the University of Kentucky and I got my bachelor's and my master's in uh, plant and soil sciences. So like uber plant nerd over here. (laughs) Uh, Right. And so then, uh, and I'm so, like you said, I'm the extension agent. I've been in Boyle County. This is my first, my first big girl job. And I have been here since 2013. So I kind of can't believe it. I'm like, no, no, that was like a year ago. And I'm like, oh, that was like seven years ago. Uh, (laughs) So that's been a fun uh, realization this year that I've been here that long. But it's been a good time. And so I got married four years ago uh, and I was already just kind of doing flowers for people's weddings, just friends of mine that were getting married. They were like, oh, you know things about plants, so you must know about floral design, which is a common misconception. But I really enjoyed doing it. And then I started growing for my wedding. I said, you know, I'm a plant person. I know how to grow things or I sure hope I do because I have six years of education I paid for to learn how to grow things. And so I decided I'm going to grow some flowers for my wedding. And so I did that and got all the way sucked into growing flowers and not only just making pretty things out of them. And so I've been uh, riding that flower farmer train now since uh, 2016. And it's really awesome to be a grower and an extension agent because as flower farming has really bloomed, I'm saying that, not intended, but it's bloomed uh, throughout Boyle County in this area around here. People are really starting to get into it. It's been fun to share that experience as an educator and just be like, oh yeah, the weed, the Bermuda grass is so bad this year. Or yeah, I'm seeing problems with this insect or pest. Being able to share that with my growers and help them kind of ahead of time when they might not know they have a problem yet. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think I realized that you grew your own bouquet for your wedding. <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah, I, I was, you know, the first time you grow anything is uh, always up in the air. So I had a lot of it I did grow myself. But luckily, I was good friends with a couple different growers in the area. And I was like, hey, can you help me with some flowers? So but yes, there were some things I grew myself for that wedding and for that wedding, my wedding. And that's just kind of how it all gets kickstarted. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, which blooms did you have in your bouquet? Oh gosh. I had dahlias and zinnias, gladiolia. I had some, so my bouquet was literally like enormous. It was a monster and would like break your wrists if you held it the wrong way. It had grapes, wild grapes hanging off of it and blackberries. And I'm all about in Kentucky natives, you know, love teaching about Kentucky natives. And so I love to use them in floral design. I had rattlesnake master, milkweed. I mean, if I could find it and I thought it was pretty, I shoved it into a bouquet. <laughs> it's like you want to make sure everything that you you've grown is in that bouquet too. Yes. So. And it took, it took like two hands to hold. It was a big end. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Alexis. You're a lot like me in that, in that aspect, getting it all in there. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed you telling us a little bit about yourself and the listeners will really enjoy that too. But the reason I had you come on the Sunshine Gardening podcast with me is that this is a interesting month for us. It's a American Grown Cut Flower Month. And just out of curiosity, just to ask you, because like you said, you're an educator as an extension agent and also a flower grower. Why do you feel like this month is so important for our cut flower growers? And why should people support local cut flower farms and farmers in the area? Yeah. So what a lot of people don't know is that like, this is actually like Congress dictated that it was American Grow Flowers Month and the big, you know, July. And so the biggest reason for that across the U.S. is because every single state, even Alaska has cut flower production, you know, harvesting going on right now. So in Alaska, they're harvesting peonies, which in Kentucky, depending on where you are in the state, but we're pretty much in that May, maybe getting into June, depending how hot we got, how early, but to think that right now is the start of peony season in Alaska is a pretty cool thing. So every one of our 50 states has flowers that can be harvested right now, which is why Congress made it American Grown Flowers Month. So in Kentucky, we're in prime season here. Uh, we really... We really have a great climate for growing a lot of different things in Kentucky, but especially flowers because we have some cool time in the spring as well as in the fall. Our winters are not usually really, really bad, or at least they haven't been the past few years, uh, but we do get a lot that cool season that we need. And then we get nice hot summer. So we can grow a lot of crops here in Kentucky that, you know, we get the best of both worlds, I think. That's something that, you know, in veggies and fruit, as you know, we do as well, but it's neat in flowers. It's a really nice visual representation of all the different, all the different seasons that we can hit. So as far as why people should support local cut flower growers, well, same reason we support our local, you know, veggie and beef, whatever uh, growers around. It's, it's something supporting your local economy. You know, your flower growers are huge for beneficial insects and bees and things like that. So a lot of flower growers, also are beekeepers, right? Because they're, they're kind of feeding each other there a little bit. And so they're really great for a lot of our local bee populations and both native and, you know, our honeybees, as well as just something that like you said earlier, brings so much joy to people and so being able to buy locally really supports the economy. And then we're not shipping in flowers from Ecuador and Colombia, Holland. You get much fresher stuff, right? When you go to the farmer's market or wherever you go to get local stuff. 
Yeah, I love that aspect of being able to support local farms and like you said, with veggies and other meat grow or meat producers in the area, you know, you really can get a nice selection throughout the seasons. And I feel like sometimes people don't always think of flower farmers instantly. They might go to the veggies or the meats and other, you know, commodity type things. But with um, cut flower production, I feel like it's become pretty popular now mm-hmm. more than, say, maybe 10 years ago. Do you think there's a, a movement or a reason behind that? I think there's a couple different reasons. One, I think, is, of course, you know, there's a lot of people wanting to kind of return to the land, so to speak, right? Like, as a millennial, I'm like, let's return to the land. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's people who are wanting, and they're also diversify, right? So we told people get into farming and, you know, whatever type of farming that is, and they're needing to diversify to improve pest populations and diseases, and they're needing a rotational crop. That's also something that is high value, right? That they can do something with. And so flowers are a really great example of that and being able to rotate through and still make money off of your, what could be kind of considered a cover crop. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that's one reason uh, as we start to diversify the other reason is cut flowers can be grown in a very small scale, right? So you can pack a lot of flowers into a space and produce a lot, a lot of blooms on a really tiny, there's a Facebook page called Urban Micro Flower Growers. And there, you know, you would kind of, if you looked at the prices, you would say they're like a commercial, you know, producer. And then when you find out they're producing on, you know, less than a quarter of an acre, it's always really amazing what you can crank out. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And just people thinking local, right? Like they're like, people are starting to think about where things come from. So it's not just where my food comes from, but now that we kind of have that in our brain, it's important to know where your food comes from. I think it's starting to spread to other aspects support your local artists, support, get local honey, all these different things. And flowers, I think, just kind of fall right into that. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up. I feel like with everything else, it's probably people have that right mindset and then they notice more cut flower growers in their area and they're gotten on board with purchasing those. Now, I realize that not every cut flower grower is the same. They always have some sort of unique quality to them. They might offer something a little bit differently from another cut flower grower. And, you know, even throughout the regions, you you mentioned July being American Grown Cut Flower Month. And, you know, it's really hard to believe that they can grow things in Alaska, but their their climate is just so different from us here in Kentucky. So why don't you, if you don't mind, kind of describe some of the cut flower markets that are available to the flower growers and what they might offer to people that might be interested in purchasing more cut flowers from them. Absolutely. So obviously the first one is farmer's market. That's immediately what people think when they think where to buy local flowers or how local flowers fit in. You think of the farmer's market, which is an awesome you know place to go get them, you know, until it is like August and it's really hot. So I recommend if you're going to go to the farmer's market to get flowers, go early because A, they will sell out and B, they don't want to sit in the heat uh, and the flowers don't like to sit in the heat. So definitely go early if you go to a farmer's market. The next one, a lot of flower growers are getting into, and I see this a lot when large vegetable production or something, when they start to add flowers into their 
what they already do and the scale they're used to, they go into wholesale production, which is a great way to move a lot of product. You only have to communicate with one or two people and you can move everything throughout this season. So that's a really good thing for people who don't. If you're wanting to, or if you're thinking about growing flowers, it's not necessarily something that everybody could do, but you can push your local florist if you can't find a flower farmer near you or somebody who's too close, but you know, some great local florists, you know, ask them to start buying local flowers. And so that's one way you can get local flowers that even if you can't get to the farmer's market or something is by asking for that from your florist. Another thing that people are doing just like with veggies or even um, meats these days is CSA. So bouquet shares are a really awesome way. Every week they, you go to a pickup site and you grab your bouquet. Uh, You don't have to fight farmer's market crowds and you know that you're going to get a bouquet no matter what because you pay all the way up front. And that's really helpful for the farmer, whether it's veggies or flowers or whatever, you pay all the way up front. You don't have to worry about carrying money around. You just show up on your day and you get your flowers and they're fresh and you're a priority for that farmer. And then like I do, I've done weddings and events, like I've said before. So a lot of flower farmers are doing are doing weddings using their local flowers and with help from local growers. So you can have a really nice wedding that's not necessarily wildflowers. I lo- a lot of people think, oh, flower farmers grow wildflowers. Well, they, <laughs> I can promise you we grow the same things that your florist wants to buy. So, you know, roses, peonies, dahlias, all of those beautiful things, ranunculus, but we're more seasonal, right? So just like you can't get asparagus from a local farmer in August, you can't get your ranunculus from your local farmer in Kentucky in August. Now we can buy in peonies from Alaska, which I guess is better than Ecuador, but uh, still it's not necessarily as local. And then uh, restaurants have become a big one. So of course with COVID, you know, people not really going into restaurants is a little bit different, but I know some flower farmers that provide flowers for the tables uh, for restaurants. And that's also a good way uh, to be able to see and get to know a, a farmer in the area. I don't think I realized that some of the cut flower growers were doing that in the, like actually doing their bouquets in restaurants. So that's pretty neat uh, market I hadn't heard about. Do farms let you come onto the farm at some times throughout the season? Oh yeah. So you pick, that's totally forgot about that. Uh, So a lot of farmers do just like strawberries or blackberries. A lot of places do a lot of farms will do you picks. And so that's really fun. You know, you come and you can, you get a bucket and you bring your pruners with you and you fit as many flowers as you want in that bucket for a set price. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Just kind of like a pumpkin patch, but you know, it's not just one week out of a year. So you get to do and pick whatever your heart desires, whatever you think is beautiful. And then you get to go home and make something pretty based on what you love. And so that's a really fun way. And not all farmers do that. Now there's, you know, some liability issues, of course, with that. And there's special insurance that farmers take out to allow for you picks. But uh, that's a really cool, a really fun way, you know, to take the family out and, and see things in action. And I I really feel like right now, some people are not going too far, you know, they're not going far away right now. And so that might be an experience that your family can have if you're into a U-Pick cut flower farm. Right. It's outside. You can stay away from people, you know, um, and a lot of farmers I know that are doing uh, U-Picks right now are being very careful. You know, if they have five acres for you to walk around, they're only going to allow, you know, enough people there where you can be spread out uh, really well and in that open air type of situation. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a pluses, especially if you have some reservations about going out right now. Now to transition a little bit, you know, we mentioned you being a cut flower grower yourself and and I don't think I mentioned, but you actually run wild roots. And Mm -hmm. so you do have that unique aspect that you're, you know, not only an educator, but you do have growers 
through experience. So what was like the biggest challenge that you faced uh, going into cut flower production? Like you said, you probably had a reason behind it at first because you knew you were going to have a gorgeous bouquet for your wedding. (laughs) But like when you get into something, you know, what challenges are being faced, especially with growing cut flowers? Sure. I think I think it's probably the same recommendation I give if you were, no matter what you're growing, if you're you know going into business, but it's always, and people are going to be like, oh gosh, that's nothing new when I say this, but it's don't go too big too fast. So one of the key things with flower farming, like I mentioned earlier, is you can do so much with so little. It's much, much different than a lot of our produce and definitely different than any animal that you might be producing. You know, even to grow tomatoes, you need a lot of space and the amount of space I can fit tomato plants in, I can fit probably double some of the amount of flowers or more depending on what it is in that same space for tomatoes. So don't go too big too fast. And there's no reason to because you can really get your you know feet wet and really practice the whole flower farming gig without investing too much money because you stay small and you do what you can. Uh, and, and the other recommendation I tell people is what are your, what do you have, right? Like do you have access to land? Do you have money? Do you have time? A lot of farmers in general work outside jobs. And so what we lack is time, but we might have extra money to invest. So we're going to invest in things that make our lives easier that we can spend less time in the garden. So things like black plastic, so I don't have to weed. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> Those are the kind of things that are going to really make you succeed the first year, the second year, the third year. And you might kind of know what you're doing by year five. And this is talking from a girl with a master's degree in plant and soil science. I just now kind of feel like I know what I'm doing. And then mother nature turns around, slaps you around a little bit. And you're like, oh, right. I actually don't. And so that if you feel that way, you are not alone for sure. <laughs> well, like you said, you know, like when you really do get into something, you know, there's different obstacles and challenges and problems that you're faced with. And it's like, you kind of have to put on your big girl panties and try to figure it out. And, <laughs> and, you know, one good thing I feel like right now is that flower farmers really do want to see other folks get into the business if they really do have an interest and a need in it. That's what yeah, I Yeah, there's definitely a community, I think, amongst flower farmers because I think we all are under the understanding there's enough to go around. So there's no need to compete. Let's help each other. And like, hey, you grow this really well and I grow this other thing really well. Let's work together on this. And that's such an awesome thing to have a community like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I wanted to tell you, I looked at your Instagram account the other day and you put on here, (laughs) which I found was you had a very unique picture behind this. That's what caught my eye. But you said being a farmer florist is like being in the center ring of a circus spinning 100 plates as fast as you can. (laughs) So, so what exactly, Alexis, is that thing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel like a ringmaster. And um, sometimes I feel like the clown, but sometimes I'm just the ringmaster and I'm just trying to keep all of the plates spinning. So being a farmer is hard, right? We all kind of inherently know that whether you've ever farmed or not, being a farmer is hard. It's sweaty, it's dirty, you know, you're just tired all the time. Being a florist, just a florist, is hard. You are, have to be a good people person. You have to be very organized, keeping records, making sure that you're getting the right color, you know, and doing the things correctly and budgeting really well. There's very little margin in floristry. And so then we're like, well, let's take this really hard, sweaty job and combine it with this really people person, intense record keeping job and let's push it together and we'll be farmer florists, right? And so that's where your 100 plate 
weeds come in because not only do you have to be the person who weeds, you have to be the person who harvests. You also need to be your, for most of us who are too small to have a full marketing team, you're your marketing team. You're putting together all your emails. You're making all those bouquets. Oh, by the way, you have aphids. Make sure you deal with that. And while you're dealing with your aphids, your uh, computer website is going to crash. So no, now you can't sell the bouquets that you have worked so hard to be able to put together. And it just kind of spirals all the time. There's always a different plate going. And I always think I'm dropping some and I'm just like, well, I'll just I'll just throw all the broken pieces onto another thing and I'll try and spin those. <laughs> and right. so it's, you are a hundred different people and it's just all small business I think is like that. But when you combine this like dirty, sweaty outside work with kind of this IT marketing side, they're very opposite people. And so uh, we're kind of smushing those together uh, to create one job. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and I feel like in extension even, you know, we, yes. we wear a lot of different hats and it's the mm-hmm. same type concept with cut flower growers, especially maybe in the beginning. And then as you start to kind of get the patterns and the flow of things down, then it probably evolves. But like you said, you're what, five years into it now and you're starting to feel better about it. Yeah, I'm in my fifth season and for the first time I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing and like feel fairly confident and that's, you know, changes from day to day because some days I'm like, I have no idea what, why this died, you know, like, I, you know, it's so, right, right, and, right. But, but you kind of get that feel, like you said, for kind of scheduling and you get a flow down and mother nature will still throw things at you. She always does. Remember, she will always win and don't be upset to when she beats you because she always will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you just kind of have to go with the flow and year five, you start to find what that flow is. Absolutely. So don't give up. Keep on going. Just pick yourself or, you know, kind of dust yourself off. Now, let's get back to kind of some of this about July being American Grown Cut Flower Month. You and I have worked with uh, the Kentucky Hort Council, and we're doing something special for July here in Kentucky. Why don't you tell people more about that incentive that we're doing for cut flower growers? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we, you and I and Kentucky Horticulture Council kind of, you know, all talked and we realized that a lot of cut flower growers were being a little bit less, I don't want to say left out. They're just so new. There's so many new farmers and there's just an influx and there's not been good representation because this whole thing is new to the state of Kentucky, right? And Absolutely. Uh, so we were like, okay, well, what do we do? What do we help? And well, we kind of started talking about this at the end of, towards the end of June and, and it hit us that Kentucky, you know, the American Grown Flowers Month was in July. And so we're like, let's feature all these cool farms. Like let's A, get to know them, B, make them feel like they're a part of Kentucky horticulture because flower growing is a horticulture enterprise. It makes money. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's let's showcase them. Let's tell people about like, hey, there are local flowers. And so the Kentucky Horticulture Council has been featuring a flower farmer, you know, from, from somewhere in the state of Kentucky. We've gone all the way from east to west, north to south. So every day they featured uh, at least one, if not two farms, which is awesome because that means that we're getting a lot of new farms that are, are coming in onto the scene and have things that are available to the public. And so that's been really exciting to see. And, you know, I've been around for five plus years and I'm an agent. So I thought I knew everybody and I'm seeing all kinds of new farms popping up. And it's really exciting because like I said, that 
community is so strong, I think, with flower farmers. And so it's nice to be able to get more people on board to, to the community. Yeah, I was looking at a couple of the names and like, I think I'm more familiar with the ones right around us here in Bowling Green. But like you said, I knew of you, but I really didn't know about some probably that's in your neck of the woods, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with cut flower growers, when they noticed uh, several of those kind of occurring on the Hort Council's page, Facebook page, then they were like, man, I might need to check them out because that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's neat to see what other people are doing, you know, throughout the state or even just like the county over. You're like, oh man, that's such a cool thing they're doing. I never thought about that. And you can trade secrets and not secrets, but you know, how'd you get that? Or what kind of trellising did you use? And oh, I wish my zinnias looked that good. And and it's such a, a cool thing to be able to do with each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really glad that we were able to work on that project together. And I guess the last question I want to ask you today is about where can people get more information about cut flower growers here in Kentucky? Maybe they want to go visit their farm or say they just want to know like how to get a hold of somebody that has a subscription bouquet. And then what's the best way to help support those local flower farmers? Yeah. So uh, part of what we, you know, we had worked on were is this map of Kentucky flower growers. Then I think it's going to launch at the very end of July if it hasn't launched already, but definitely should be available at the end of July with city where you're, where a flower farm is located. You can just pull up the map. Uh, I've seen a little preview of it and it's got little flowers all over it. And you click one that might be close to where you're at and it gives uh, the farm name any website or website information, as well as contact information, like an email address or however they prefer to be contacted. So that's so exciting that flower farmers are able to be represented this way for the first time uh, in the state of Kentucky. And people are going to be easily able to find the flower farmer closest to them. And I think that's so exciting. But if you can't wait until the, the end of July, which I don't blame you because give me all the flowers, right? I grow flowers and I'm still like, I need them all. Give them all to me. Right. <laughs> and so going on the Kentucky Horticulture Council's Instagram and Facebook, where they've been posting those everyday updates on flower farms, you can probably find one close to you. I know by now they've posted someone from all the corners of the state, I think. And so that's probably a good way, you know, if you really want to jump the gun to do it that way. Uh, and you can always email the Horticulture Council and be like, hey, I'm looking for someone in this area. And we have that, or she, Cindy, the Hort Council has a good list of that. Or call your local extension office, right? So of course, as wearing my extension agent hat, uh, you know, <laughs> give, give your extension agent a call and see if there's anybody out there you can support. Small All small businesses really appreciate those little, you know, a $20 bouquet, the purchase of a $20 bouquet means the world to someone. And when you've grown something from seed and created something beautiful that people love, it is, there's no other sense of satisfaction I've, I've found. I guess if you have a child, Kristen, that, you know, you grew this child and you've, you're producing this beautiful thing. Uh, that would probably be the only comparison, but I don't have a kid. So flowers are, are my children right now. Uh, and I can tell you it is one of the most satisfying things when people just, their eyes light up. And as a small business grower, I mean, it's, it means the world to me, you know, and to all of us when somebody buys something that you worked really hard for. Oh, yeah. And it's like you said, uh, you're able to see it in its infancy and then go all the way throughout the growing season and then to see it when it's ready for harvest. That's probably does bring a big smile to your face. I think I saw some of your pictures and Lysianthus is in season right now, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Probably my favorite summer flower is Lysianthus. I was going to ask you, do you have a favorite or is Lysianthus a favorite? 
I would say there's a favorite per season, but I think I change my, my mind every time. I think if I had to pick one only flower, and this is hard. It's like, how are you going to pick your favorite kid? You know, I don't know. But I think gladiolias, which everybody's got, ooh, funeral flower. But uh, gladiolias remind me of my grandmother. And I think that's something special. Um, just like food can remind you of a person or a place in your life. Uh, I think a flower can really remind you of of a feeling or a person. And I remember seeing them growing at her house and how beautiful they were. And so I, I grow them. If I sell them, great, but I grow them because they make my heart happy. Uh, and I think that's always grow things that make you happy and hopefully they make other people happy too. Yeah, I think that's probably the take home message for today's episode is definitely grow what you enjoy and what brings you joy. And especially for, for this month being uh, American Grown Cut Flower Month, we probably want everybody to check out this map. And we're going to put that in the show notes at the end. And then also, you know, take time to visit your farmer's market or, you know, maybe purchase something from your local flower farm. Awesome. Thanks, Alexis. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for chatting with me. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on how to support local cut flower growers. If you would like to learn more and also get involved with the American Grown Cut Flowers Month and what we're doing right here in Kentucky, you can join us on the Facebook page at KY Hort Council, also on Instagram at KY Horticulture, and even on Twitter at KY Horticulture. And you can learn more about cut flower growers all throughout the state of Kentucky. You can also learn what niche markets that they have available, and then also how you can even purchase from your local flower grower as well. Now, if you'd like to check out our farmer florist flower map that Alexis was talking about, I'm also gonna post that link in our show notes. So if you'd like to view the show notes for episode eight on supporting local flower farmers, visit me on the blog at Warren County Agriculture. You can go to our website at warrencountyagriculture.com. As always, thanks for listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. To stay up to date on all the latest episodes, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And gardeners, remember to keep on digging into gardening and remember to add a little sunshine. Thanks for listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast with Kristen Hildebrand. If you enjoyed today's content, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to catch future segments of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Gardeners, keep on digging and learning more about gardening so the sun shines brighter over your Kentucky garden. The Sunshine Gardening Podcasts with Kristen Hildebrand is a production of the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service.